0: All right. Let's open our Bibles tonight to two places. Let's get the book of Ezra, Ezra chapter four, please. Ezra chapter four, and then its companion book, Haggai. Ezra and Haggai. Ezra chapter four, Haggai chapter one. And you'll see just now why those two books go together. Ezra chapter four, and we'll begin at the end of that chapter, verse number twenty-three. I'd like to try to encourage you tonight with a brief sermon <laughs> called Finish What You Started. Finish What You Started. Now, here's my sermon. <laughs> so I say brief, right? <laughs> I'll see how far I can stretch this little guy. <laughs> Ezra chapter 4 and verse number 23. And if I can ask before we even start to read, let's, let's bow our heads and pray about this just for a moment. Father, thank you this evening. What a wonderful time of singing we've already had. We've had some good fellowship, one with another. Lord, thank you for the visitors that have come. I pray that you'd speak to their hearts, speak to our hearts. Father, please encourage us tonight. Sometimes it can get uh, it can get tough. We get started and we, we mean well, but then life gets us down. And Lord, I pray that you let this uh, sermon tonight be a shot in the arm for somebody and encourage them. And Father, please fill me with your spirit. I can't preach this without your help, Lord. I never can. I want your presence. Oh, God, I want it so badly. Please, Lord, I pray to help Brother Farnham. Please have your hand on that man. Keep him going for thee. Lord, help him to keep reaching out to those Buddhists and those Muslims and those Hindus. and Lord, all around him, Father, please use him to keep winning souls. Father, please do a work tonight, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now the Jews in the book of Ezra, they have come back from 70 long years of captivity. And as they came back in Ezra chapter 3, the Bible tells us that they began to worship the Lord where the temple should stand. They hadn't rebuilt the temple yet, but they put an altar up. Before you build a church, you build an altar. I like the sequence of that. Because at the altar is where people develop personal relationships with God. You worry about the building later. Amen? Doesn't that make sense? Doesn't that make sense? So in chapter 3, they have an altar, but because everybody around them, the world around them was against it, they had to keep it a bit secret, a bit on the down low. Chapter 4, they start to rebuild the temple, which was what they're supposed to do, but now the government steps in and sanctions it and says, you're not allowed to do this anymore. It has to do with taxes, Wouldn't you know, not much has changed (laughs) in the last 2,500 years, amen. (laughs) Verse number 23, now when the copy of King Artaxerxes' letter was read before Rehum and Shimshai the scribe and their companions, they went up in haste to Jerusalem unto the Jews and made them to cease by force and power. So they're threatening them and said, listen, we have the government behind us, the police behind us, you can no longer build this temple. Verse 24, then ceased the work of the house of God, which is at Jerusalem. So it ceased unto the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Please keep that timing in your mind, the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. You know what I've found, and I've found this to be true in my life, and I know it's, this is generally true in most Christians' lives. We get started, we have all the right intentions, we're fired up, we want to we do something for God. We don't want to just have an altar or just go through the motions. There's some zeal. There's some passion. Once you get saved, you know, you kind of have that honeymoon with God where everything's roses and, man, you're so love, in love with Christ. It doesn't matter what you're going through. You, you'd happily go through it as long as God is with you, as long as his presence is manifested, right? That's all you care about. Then all of a sudden, the world surrounds you and puts the pressure on you and, The trials of life begin to compound, and it just gets tough and frustrating to serve the Lord, and it's so much easier to just put the things of God on the back burner, to give in to the force and power of the world, and let the work of God just sit there. Now, the Bible tells us that it is God that works in us both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Paul said being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now we know that God will be faithful to that and he will always do the work. The problem is we get discouraged and we don't always want to keep up with the work that God is doing. The Jews are no exception. They got frustrated and put the things of God on the back burner for a little while. First, some months went by. Some months, maybe even a couple years and chapter 5, verse 1 Then the prophets, Haggai the prophet, and Zechariah the son of Ido or Edo, prophesied unto the Jews that were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel, even unto them. Then rose up Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua the son of Josadak, and began to build the house of God, which is at Jerusalem. And with them were the prophets of God helping them. You know what happened to these Jews? They, they came back from 70 years of, of a mess. Right? They had made a mess of their lives as a nation. They had made a mess. Any of you ever make a mess? Make a mess in your life? I mean, just a complete disaster. And you look at it and you say, there's no, there's no coming back from this. I have messed up so bad. I, can't, I cannot make this right. You know the old saying, time heals all things after 70 long years. God says come on back now let's get this thing going again let's get a relationship going again and they try and they put in the effort and it gets a little tough and then they because it got a little tough and it wasn't convenient and easy their zeal kind of waned and they let it slide and then one day they didn't go to church the church came to them (laughs) Haggai and Zechariah showed up and said listen guys I got a word from the Lord from you, thus saith the Lord, and that's what we're going to look at tonight in the book of Haggai. We're going to look at that sermon that they heard that touched their hearts, said, we got to get back to work. We cannot let this work that God wants us to do, we can't just let that sit by the wayside. So let's come to the book of Haggai, and Lord willing, you coming to church tonight will be, will be that little shot in the arm that gets you encouraged to get back up and Get going with the work of God again. Haggai chapter one and verse one. Finish what you started. Haggai one and one, it says, in the second year of Darius the king. You remember that time I had you put in the back of your mind? Same time. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month. All right, now put that in the back of your mind. Sixth month, first day of the month. Came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jazadak, the high priest. Do you see who's represented here? You have Zerubbabel, he's the government, he's the political side of Judah. And then you have Joshua, the son of Jazadak, he's the priest. There's the politics and the religion of Israel. Haggai's preaching to them. Verse number two Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Now, it was that time. It was the time to work on the house of God. But the people were saying, well, the government, the Persian government told us not to. So because it's not convenient, it doesn't look like it's going to work out. Eh, The world told me not to. The world said it's not popular, so I won't do it. So, well, it just must not be the will of God. No, it is. Sometimes the will of God is difficult. Sometimes what God asks you to do is not going to be easy to apply. You can't just write it off and say, well, because it's difficult, must not be the will of God. That's a very spiritual excuse, spiritual sounding excuse. It's just not right. Haggai said, but that's what you folks are saying. Verse number three, then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet saying, is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses and this house lie waste? pointing to the temple says you go you guys go home to a nice finished house and you got a nice life that you've made for yourselves working a job got a career everything looks good man you go down there house of god and it just looks like rubbish you've left things undone down there Haggai says is that how it's supposed to be verse five now therefore thus saith the lord of Hosts. here's the sermon consider your ways that's the theme of his first sermon to them consider your ways. If Haggai were to give it a title, that would be the name of his sermon. He'd step out and say, all right guys, listen, observable, Joshua, come here, all the people, I'm talking to these leaders because I want you to enforce it. I want you to carry the message that I'm saying and make sure everybody understands it. Here's the title of my sermon, consider your ways. Is it right for you to put your things before the things of God? Is it right for you to put the physical in front of the spiritual?" Is it right for you to build your kingdom and ignore the kingdom of God? Verse number six, ye have sown much and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. (laughs) What a great picture that Haggai has drawn. Don't you feel like that sometimes with your paycheck? (laughs) It it feels like you're holding out a bag with no bottom in it and the boss just drops the paycheck in the top and goes right out the bottom and (laughs) you just waved as the money went by. (laughs) Now you see what God's doing. God is making sure that all the efforts that the Israelites are putting into their personal, physical, temporal lives isn't working out that well. He's making sure that it's a bit frustrating because that's the only thing they're emphasizing. They're not paying any attention to the spiritual because that got tough. And all they're doing is paying attention to what's going on in their home and their career. Verse number seven, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. It says it again. Stop stop and think. Are you putting the emphasis where it needs to be? It's a good question. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. He says, why do you take thought for what you're going to eat and drink and what you're going to put on? is, Is not the life more than meat? Amen, here in South Africa. I don't know if you guys can amen that. Is life more than meat? I doubt it. Braiflace is as good as it gets, right? If there's vores on the grill, we're good. God must be happy. I can, I can smell the burnt offering now. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Put the, the things, it's not that the things are not important, but not as important as you're making them. You're gonna get to heaven and find out that even though you might have been earthly rich, you were heavenly poor. And he says, now you need to stop and think about this, consider your ways, this path that you're on, where's this gonna end you up? Because you realize once the 70, 80 years of your mortal life is over, you got an eternity to spend somewhere with someone. Now you need to stop and think about it before you get there. I'll tell you how the Apostle Paul said it. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth what affects you what moves you what stirs you set your affections on things above Paul said it in another place he says while we look not at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporal but the things which are not seen are eternal for we walk by faith and not by sight so therefore I must base my life off of things I cannot see I base my life off of what God has said Because if God said that there's an eternity, if God said that you can lay up treasure in heaven, amen, I believe that more than what I can see and feel and touch and taste. God says, consider your ways. I was here before it all started. I'll be here when it all ends. You just need to think about this. Verse 8, go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house, talking about God's house. And I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. By the way, to set your mind at ease, this is not a backdoor plea for money for our church building. (laughs) Don't worry. The Lord's working all that out wonderfully, by the way. So you don't need to worry about that. I'm talking about your personal life. Amen. You understand that? Your body's the temple of the Holy Ghost. We're trying to build you tonight. Okay. Verse 9, Ye look for much. For how many of you does that describe the view you have of your career and your life? Looking for prosperity. You're looking for everything to work out. You looked for much and lo, it came to little. Does that describe it pretty good? Had great hopes for the economy to turn around. <laughs> Boy, are you full of faith. <laughs> you looked for much and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. God said, I, You brought it home and. You blew the paycheck right out of your hands. (laughs) You know how it goes, everything finally, finally, it seems as if you're getting ahead, and right then a pipe burst. Right then the electric gate breaks, right then the car breaks down, right then somebody gets sick, right? He says, why, saith the Lord of hosts? God's asking the question that they want to ask. Why'd this happen to me? Why is it so difficult? Why, saith the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is waste, and ye run every man unto his own house? They didn't walk, they ran. Can't wait to get home. Can't wait to get to the career. What about the things of God? Why, why is that such a secondary thing? Why does that always get put on the back burner? Why does, why does everything else trump that? So point number one, Priorities. Point number one is priorities. How can we get back to finishing the work that we started, the spiritual work of being conformed to the image of Christ, becoming what we need to be as Christians, to love others, to love our family, to win souls, all of the stuff that comes with that. Where does it start? Check your life. Make sure the priorities are where they need to be. He says in verse number 10, therefore the heaven over you is stayed from dew and the earth has stayed from a fruit. Brought a drought, no rain. Verse 11, and I called for a drought upon the land and upon the mountains and upon the corn and upon the new wine and upon the oil and upon that which the ground bringeth forth and upon men and upon cattle and upon all the labor of the hands. My goodness, God made it tough so that the people would look up and get their eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. Dr. Ruckman used to tell us, Brother Michael, back me up on this. He probably said this once a week while I was in school. He said the most difficult thing in the Christian life is to keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. Amen, is that right, brother? He said that's the most difficult thing. You know why the world is so distracting? You get busy in the rat race of life, all of us. Amen, me too. You get so busy taking care of this, taking care of that, and it's not that you have any evil motives. You're not trying to dodge the things of God. You just get entangled. Amen? Amen. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 4, it says if you're going to be a good soldier, you can't be entangled with the affairs of this life. Yes, you need to handle them, but be careful not to get entangled so that they become the priority. Haggai says, now listen, guys, message number one on the sixth month, first day of the month, consider your ways. Make sure your priorities are where they need to be. Well, verse number 12, then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people did fear before the Lord. They were under conviction. They said, man, we've got to do something about this. They said, Haggai's got a good point. Amen. Brother Haggai, thanks for preaching that to us. We needed, we needed a good reminder. I appreciate that. And they got busy again. Now, let, let's read a couple more verses so that you understand when and how this took place and in verse 13 as they are getting back to work then spake Haggai the Lord's messenger in the Lord's message unto the people saying here's the sermon I am with you saith the Lord that's his second sermon wouldn't you like to have brother Haggai as your pastor he just gets up and says thus saith the Lord consider your ways alright just as I am with I. that was it short sermons right they, they, they would fit <laughs> on this little piece <laughs> consider your ways few verses consider your ways go home they get back to work and as they're working Haggai steps up and says folks let me have your attention and they put their trowel and they put the mortar down they put the hammers down they put the sledgehammer down they, they put all the tools down yes sir just want to let you folks know God put it on my heart I need to share it with you the Lord said he's with you that was it well that meant something to him. I I can just see, you don't have to see it this way, but in my mind, I can see all the people hot, sweaty, tired from working so hard, getting a little worn out because it's big work to put up a temple. Getting a little worn out because sometimes the spiritual life will wear you out. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Have you ever wrestled with someone? Wrestling will wear you out. Amen, Brother Johan, that's the... Emil, that's the toughest exercise I've ever been through, right? Wrestling with someone. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness in high places, the rulers of the darkness of this world. That gets tough, and you'll get tired. And every now and then, God will say, hey, guy, come here. They're really working hard. They're trying. I can see it, but they're starting to get a little worn out. Just, just remind them that I'm right there working with them. They're not alone. Just just remind them of that, would you? Because it looks like they're starting to take on all this pressure themselves. They just need to know that I'm pulling my weight. I'm in the yoke with them. Haggai steps in and says, The Lord is with you. Isn't that wonderful? I want to say more about that, but I'd like to show you the timing of this before I go on. Can Can I read verse 14 with you? And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah. And the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest. And the spirit of all the remnant of the people. The political leaders got stirred up. Religious leaders got stirred up. And the common man got stirred up. And they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. Now look at the timing of this in verse 15. In the four and twentieth day of the sixth month in the second year of Darius the king. You see how verse 14 and 15 is one sentence. So as best I can tell, on the sixth month, first day of the month, Haggai showed up and said, folks, listen, consider your ways. You're putting the physical ahead of the spiritual. Get your priorities right, priorities. And that stirred their heart. They said, we'll get back to work. And they went back to work, even though the government hadn't cleared it yet. They said, we'll just go do what's right, even though it's going to be tough. And they did. You can read in Ezra chapter 5, immediately when they went back to work, the government jumped in again and said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, what are you guys doing? The devil's not gonna sit back and let you just go on serving God. He's gonna oppose that. Man, you read Ezra chapter five, the government did all their bureaucracy and red tape tricks, didn't matter. The elders, the leaders of Israel said, you go check the record books. Cyrus, the king of Persia, he gave us permission to build this. You check it. We're gonna keep working while you check it out. And they did, and sure enough, everything got vindicated. The work of God went right on. It all worked out. It all worked out. Six day, or six month, first day. Get your priorities right. They did. Let's get back to work. And three weeks, what is in two days, 23 days later, sixth month, 24th day of the month. Do you see that in verse 15? 23 days later, they got the second message. So they've been back to work. Now, I don't know if they immediately went back to work or if they waited three weeks and then went back to work, I'm not sure how the timing is there. The way I read Ezra, it kind of looks as if they immediately went back to work. But the point remains the same. I know this, preaching doesn't always immediately take effect. Sometimes you can hear the sermon and go home, and it ha- you have to marinate in it <laughs> to let it soak in. How many of you have heard a sermon, and then as the week progressed, Something happened in your life, and then you went, oh, wow. Man, now I see why that, I can see it all connecting now. And, and then it, it sinks in. You go, oh, man, I'm, I'm sure glad I was at church and heard that. Because, man, if I hadn't heard that, I wouldn't know what to do here. <laughs> Amen. I just want you to see the timing of it. It took them a few weeks to get fired back up and back into the work, but they got there. Just because you get knocked down and it takes you a little bit of time to get your momentum again and get started again, don't get frustrated with yourself. Don't beat yourself up. Give it a little time for the, word of God, for the word of God to sink in. And as you do, as you put in the effort and you get tired and frustrated and feel like you're not making much progress, you'll have the Lord Jesus Christ show up every now and again And remind you, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. He said, I'm not I'm never gonna leave, I'm never gonna forsake, I'm right here with you every step of the way. Did you know that's all you need? I don't know how to properly explain it, to be honest with you. There's some things I'm comfortable to explain, this I'm not. I can't fully explain why the presence of God is so satisfying, but it is. Now, I'll tell you you one thing about it. If you're not busy doing the work of God and God shows up and says, by the way, I'm here, you'll panic. (laughs) It's not so comforting then, is it? You won't even like sitting through the church service if you know you haven't been making an effort to serve God. Then it seems like every word coming from the pulpit is stabbing you in the heart. But then you have the next guy who's really making an effort, a little bit tired and just getting weary. He can hear the same sermon and say, man, that's just the shot in the arm I needed. God's not giving up on me. I'm not gonna give up. I think you've picked up on it by now. Before each service... If, if God allows, I step into the back and I, I pray back there before we start. And I've done this for years. I, this Now 20 years of preaching, I've done this before every sermon for over 20 years. And I pray and I wait for one thing. By this time, I already know what I'm gonna preach most of the time. <laughs> most of the time. there's a couple occasions I'm not sure, but most of the time. I'm not back there saying, God, show me what to say. I'm back there asking for one thing. God, are you, are you going to be here today? And when I say be here, I explained it this morning. Geographically, you can't get away from God. I want God to manifest his presence. I want to feel him here. I want to see him do something, something that God can do, not something I can do. And I try to wait in the back until I hear verse number 13 whispered in my heart until the Lord says, I'm with you. And with that, I can come out and preach. Anything short of that, I don't want to get in this pulpit. I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you at the same time this week as you go to school or to work, as you wake up tomorrow morning, would you do this? Would you you try to recognize and wait for the presence of God before you go do something? And don't do it Don't do it just to go through the motions, but actually enjoy the Lord's presence while you do it. Imagine how that would change your life. Imagine how it would change your behavior. What you said, where you went, who you hung out with. Imagine how it would affect every part of your life to recognize that the promise of Jesus Christ is true. He says, let let not your heart be covetous, right? Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. Be happy with what you got. Verse 9, stop looking for all the extra bells and whistles. Be happy with what you got. Why? It says, for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee." So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Wouldn't that help you tomorrow? Don't you think that'd help you? There's priorities. Get the priorities Right. That'll help you finish the work you started. Number two, recognize the presence. Recognize the presence. And then number three. Number three, in verse number 14, it says, And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, Joshua, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. I want to draw your attention to that stirring of their spirit. Now, I can show you other verses in the Bible where God stirred people and then they got busy. In this instance, they got busy and then God stirred their hearts. You know why I think sometimes we don't finish what we start for God? Because in the beginning, we're full of zeal and we're interested. But then once that initial zeal wears off and it gets frustrating and tired, we give up on it. It's not as exciting. We're not as interested in it. And we say... Well, I don't want to do it if I don't feel into it. We sit around waiting for this feeling to come over us and say, okay, now that I'm excited about it again, I'll get back to work. You know what I've found to hold true in my Christian life? If I I do what I know I'm supposed to do, the joy of serving God catches up with me. I don't... God doesn't owe me joy and excitement and passion. He doesn't have to fill me with that in order for me to do what I'm supposed to do. You know why I do it? He said so. That's a good enough reason for me. You sit around waiting for the feeling and waiting to get excited and then you go to do it, chances are you'll never finish what you start because you're only doing what you're interested in. That's not walking by faith. That's walking by feelings. These people, they heard the message and they said, that's right. What we're doing is wrong. That's right. There's a job to be done for God. Let's go do it. And as they were doing it, they started to get a little tired and frustrated. Haggai shows up, says, hey, just want to remind you, the Lord is still with you. He hasn't given up. He's still working right here, right alongside of you. And then the Lord stirred him and said, boy, okay. Now they passionately got back to work. You know what I'd recommend to you? If, if You said, but my heart's just not into it. Start doing something outside of your comfort zone and you watch how quickly your heart catches up to it. Just do what you know is right. See, I don't feel like it. That's beside the point. How many of you have ever... Okay, that was a bad question. I was going to say, how many of you have ever gotten overweight? That's a bad question. <laughs> What was I thinking? Let me reword that. Okay, let's start again. How many of you have ever gotten to that point and then said, you know what, that's it. I I, I need to go on a diet. I'm going to get in better shape. Now, chances are by that time, you probably don't feel like exercising. That's why you got fat. (laughs) Because you just didn't feel like doing anything. (laughs) And it wasn't convenient. And it wasn't easy. And and then somebody, probably your spouse, pointed it out and said, (laughs) You're filling out nicely. (laughs) That hurts. Oh, I can't laugh. Stop, it hurts. (laughs) Oh, And you didn't feel, you didn't, who likes to give up the sweets and the chocolate and the, who likes to do that, right? Who amongst us, does anybody's flesh rejoice at putting down those tasty things? No, man. Give me the ice cream. I'll get to the broccoli later. I want the ruamais, no. But you push through it. You do the exercise, you discipline yourself, you, you, you take on a healthier diet and all of a sudden your body, it takes, it takes a little while, right? The first time you the gym, you're in the gym and you feel, you feel like you don't belong. <laughs> you feel like everybody's looking at you, it's uncomfortable, it's hard and the next day you're so sore and you're regretting it. But you keep pushing through and it takes a few weeks for the exercise to actually show up so that you can recognize and feel the difference. But aren't you glad you stuck with it? Aren't you glad after a while, the benefits are worth it? You go, man, I'm so glad that I made these changes. I didn't feel like it. But now, three or four weeks later, I'm very happy about it. In the beginning, there was no passion for it. But after you start to see what great benefits come from it, you don't mind sticking with it. You'll finish what you started. You go to exercise one or two days and it's a bit tough and you give up, you'll never finish. If you're waiting, well, I want to get in the mood for it, you'll never finish. You first need to recognize what's right to do and go do it. And go do it. You're always glad after you've done something right. I've heard it said for many years, and this is true, you cannot have a crown without a cross. No cross. No crown. We love the idea of Jesus coming back, gloriously thundering upon his enemies and seated upon the throne of David, ruling the world. That's a wonderful picture in our minds to to see Christ getting the glory he deserves, but that, that wouldn't have been possible without going through the cross. Folks, if you just do what you know you need to do, Eventually, God will give you the encouragement and the passion and stir your heart to keep on going and finish what you've started. Some of you tonight, no doubt, you've been making a valiant effort, and God's well aware of it. And tonight, if nothing else, I hope he has just reminded you he's not giving up. The world's going to keep pressuring you, but he's right there with you every step of the way. And even though you may, may not feel like it, keep pressing on, and you'll get the job done let's all stand if you would please let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed for a moment heads bowed and eyes closed I'd like to give you a moment just to think about what you've heard there's priorities there's the presence of God and then there's the passion and the passion may not come right away Caleb will play something softly, please. And some of you maybe need to come tonight and just ask God to stir your spirit a bit. Say, Lord, I, I don't feel like doing it, but you're so great, I'm going to keep doing it. And Lord, I know, I know that you're there. I just can't feel it all the time, God. But I believe your promise. Please help me, God, not to quit. Consider your ways. I am with you. God will stir you. I say amen, Haggai. That's good preaching. How about you, ma'am, sir? Are you a bit weary in this Christian battle? Has the wrestling match with the spiritual world got you worn out? just keep on doing what you know you need to do you may not feel like it but the feelings will come around perhaps tonight and if you have come to pray I'd like to invite you as well if you'd like to come remember those Israelites started with an altar before they had a temple I think that's where it starts right Maybe your life is a mess and you need to start building it again. It starts at an altar. You're welcome to come. But if you're here tonight and you've never been saved, please listen to what I tell you next. Other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Your relationship with God God starts with you receiving Christ as your Savior. God's not asking you to fix yourself without His help. He's asking you to let His Son in so that He can do the work through you. Would you do that tonight? If you're here tonight you've never been saved, I'm not going to point you out, I would never do that, but... Would you just slip your hand up? You can put it right back down. You can just say, preacher, pray for me. I won't point you out. You just say, pray for me. I'm not saved, but I'd like to know more about it. Anybody like that? Just slip your hand up. And I appreciate the honesty. Thank you. Thank you for the honesty. Father, we thank you for being such a very present help in a time of need. Lord, when we get weak and weary and feel like quitting and the pressures of the world get to be too much, thank you for sending the right message at the right time. Thank you, God, all those times when your presence has gotten so real. Lord, can I ask ask you, please, let these folks in this church experience that let them feel the the nearness and the realness of your presence Lord we believe the promise you said that you would indwell us we believe that but Lord it's hard for us to recognize it sometimes Father it sure would be encouraging Lord, help us to press through those tough times when we don't feel like it. Help us to do what's right because you're worth it. God, thank you for sending a man like Haggai and Zechariah to help the people. Thank you for sending people in my life. Father, this week, would you please encourage these people here tonight? As they go through another busy week, all the distractions of the world, help them, Lord, help them to keep their eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us today. Please send us home with your presence and with your blessing. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.